There are many passages in Scripture that direct our minds towards the things of God. Right? Just think about some of them. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Um, Philippians 4, uh, 8 and 9. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute. Let your mind dwell on these things, right? Think on these things, whatever is good. Uh, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. Psalm 105, verse 5. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he uttered. Psalm 46, verse 9. Remember the former things of old, that I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Just commands for us to think about God and to think about him and his works and all that he has done. And on top of that, there's lots of just not commands even to teach and not to, that we need to um, focus our mind on God. There are many other just examples of godly people who wrote the scriptures modeling how they thought. Second uh, Timothy 10, Second Corinthians 10 verse 5 uh, says, we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Thinking to obey Christ. Psalm 63, verse 6, I remember you upon my bed and meditate upon the watches of the night on you. Psalm 77, verse 12, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Psalm 145, verse 5, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. So just reflecting and meditating, it's commanded of us, it's modeled for us as well. And the reality is simply this, Romans 8, 5, that those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And really the, the question before all of us this morning is, where's your mind? What are you thinking about? For you at home, like, what are you thinking about? What is on your mind? The mindset uh, on the Spirit, the, those who live according to the Spirit, here it is, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. But those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And so where your mind is thinking shows where it is that you are, are living. And are you setting your mind on the things of the Spirit or on the things of the flesh? The title of my message this morning is Aiming Your Mind. I want us to think. I want to encourage you to, to think. I want to exhort you this morning to, to think about God and His ways. That is to, to aim your mind, right? To direct your mind towards things above. And I say this because there are many passages in the Bible that command us to do so, and many passages that have exampled that. It's really the premise of the entire Bible, is it not? I mean, God has given us His Word that He might tell us about Him that we might think Think about him and his ways and all that he has done. That's why I constantly encourage all of us to read our Bibles. Read our Bibles for yourself. I'm excited for the number of people who have just said, I'm going to read through the scriptures this year. 
Some are doing it with this group, and some are doing it independently. But just, just getting a, a broad overview of just all the scriptures this year is going to just help to set your minds on, on things above. It's been the thrust of my messages in December, right? Just before Christmas. I've been encouraging you to master the Bible, right? Know what it says. Know where it says it. And know how the Bible says it. Now, all of that isn't so that we become Bible scholars here at Rock Valley Bible Church, right? So we become big heads and so we know everything in the Bible. No, I've encouraged you and impressed you this way because it's for your good. It's for your sanctification. Shortly before Jesus was betrayed, he prayed this to his heavenly Father. He prayed about his disciples. He said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And there you see the connection between sanctification and truth, of sanctification and thinking. In other words, if you're a follower of Jesus, your sanctification, your process of being made holy is through truth, is through you thinking about truth and meditating upon that. And truth comes through the, the Word of God. And so my my exhortation to you this Christmas time has been to really soak your mind in the Scripture, right? You might you might master the Bible and think on truth. And that's why my message is entitled, Aiming Your Mind. One of my favorite uh, professors in seminary is Dr. Zemek, Dr. George Zemek. And he wrote a scholarly article. I don't encourage you to read the article. It's, too, it's very, very high scholarly, lots of Hebrew, lots of Greek, da-da-da. But the title of his article was simply this, Aiming the Mind, colon, A Key to Godly Living. That's where I get my message title this morning, is aiming your mind, really, right, directing, and that is a key to godly living. And and in the article, he talks all about how the mind, he goes through the Hebrew words for mind and the the Greek words for mind, and he first off shows how our minds are fallen, and he points how our sinful actions really come from our our sinful thoughts. He quotes Jesus, Mark chapter 7. He says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Dr. Zemek says this, According to Jesus and scriptural precedent, the fountainhead of all perverted behavior is the fallen human heart. The fountainhead... Of all perverted behavior is the fallen human heart. In, in other words, right, as, as, as you think, so you are. And, and according to the scripture, right, biblically speaking, our heart speaks about our inner being. It's not just our, our beating organ that, that pumps blood through our vessels. Uh, our heart is, is biblically speaking what we think about, what we, what we, what we dwell upon. It, it's really from which everything flows. Our, our emotions certainly, but dominantly like what we think. And it logically follows then, if our heart is wicked, if that is the fountainhead from which all perverted actions flow, it must be transformed. That's really what repentance is. Literally, repentance is a, is a change of mind. Metanoeo. It changes our mind, right? We change our mind, which results then in changed behavior. Salvation begins in the mind. As you hear the word of the gospel, right? Into your mind, into your thoughts. You think about it. You consider it. You understand it. You understand what Christ did for you on the cross. And you come to believe in Christ. And then from that thoughts, from that then transforms itself in action. That which begins with sanctification, salvation continues with sanctification. That is, the aiming of the mind is the key. 
a key to godly living. And, and in the article, Zemeck quotes Donald Guthrie, who says this. This is right action will follow from right thought. And that is so true, right? You've got to think right. You've got to think right. And I'd contend that the right thought comes in as you aim your mind on the things of God. This morning, I simply want you to aim your mind. And first of all, I just want you to do that by Bible intake. And you think about all the different ways in which you can take that in. Because you can't aim your mind on something your mind doesn't know. And that's why it's so important to have Bible in your mind. And that can, different ways, it can come in different ways. Just think about it. all the different ways the Bible get in your mind. You can read the Bible. Okay, that's, that's really simple. You can read your Bible. You can listen to the Bible being read. That helps get the Bible into your mind. You can read Christian books that speak and describe about the Bible. That comes help, helpful. You can hear sermons at church. You can watch sermons online. Um, you can listen to audio about sermons. You can come even through godly conversation. If someone speaks a word of a passage of scripture that has impacted them into your life, that can be God's word coming into your mind. It can come in through, through Christian music and come. This is God's word comes with Bible intake through various means and various ways. Um, uh, I, I referenced in the Weekly Word this uh, article by Tim Challey. It's called Familiarity and Intimacy. Kind of, He's trying to just broadly show just how, the different ways in which the Bible come in. Familiarity might be just, just taking in the whole Bible and just being familiar with the Bible, right? Reading a story again and, and going over it pretty fast just so you're kind of familiar with it. And that's helpful. And that is really crucial. But there's also another way of what just intimacy, where you can take just a small passage and maybe memorize it and meditate upon it and really think about it and really to apply it so that you think about your own intimacy with God. And these two things are, are interrelated because oftentimes you, you take a, a verse and the more familiar you are with the Bible, the more rich that verse comes. And, and, and the more familiar you are with the Bible, the easier it is to take these little chunks of intimacy and, and, and understand them and come before the Lord with specific things that you've learned from God's word. And I just encourage you to, to take in the Bible in as many different ways as possible as, as there's opportunity for. And there's great blessing in that. Great blessing comes in taking the Bible in this way. Uh, listen to Joshua 1 verse 8. The, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Spoken to Joshua. right? He's taken over from Moses. He's going to lead militarily into the promised land. And at the end of the day, what's his success going to be dependent upon? Not his military might, not his military strategy, but the book of the law that's going to be on his mind, that should be on his mind, meditating it on it day and night. As, as the promise comes, that God said straight to Joshua. He said, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. The path to Joshua's success is this, meditation on God's word. Never letting it depart from his mouth. Always thinking on it day and night. In a similar way, that's our path to successful Christian living. It's constant day in, day out meditation upon God's word. That's the message of Psalm 1. Blesses a man... Who walks not according to the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. The path to spiritual blessing 
is through constant meditation upon God's word day and night. And one of the reasons why this blessing is so great is because this action keeps us from sin. I mean, look there in verse 1, right? The man is blessed who stays away from these things and instead focuses upon the law of the Lord, meditates on it day and night, comes through meditation. And the blessing further comes in verses 3 and 4. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind dries away. And so I just ask you, what, what sort of life do you want to live? Verse 3 speaks about this tree that's steady and firm. And the steady and firm tree is the one who's, who's the one who's meditating on God's word day and night and delighting in God's word. He's, he's like the one who's a tree. Or you can be like a, a tumbleweed that drifts across the road as the wind blows it along. That's really the choice presented to us in Psalm 1. And where does this start? It starts in a delight in God's word, right? Delighting in God's word is what stirs the, the meditation so deeply. And I say there's a direct correlation between those who delight in God's word and those who meditate on it day and night. Right? And, and there's, there's a contrast between those who do that and those who don't. If you delight in God's word, you'll think about it much. You will be like a tree. If you don't delight in God's word, you won't think about it very much. and You'll be like a tumbleweed. It gets driven and tossed by the wind. And see, when you aim your mind at God's word, it will help keep you from the sinful way. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Well, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Some translations say I've treasured your word, like, like your word has been valuable to me, and I've not treasured it, put it in the bank. I've treasured it and placed it right in my heart. And why? Placing God's word in your heart, what's the benefit of that? That I might not sin against you. Because there's this way where God's word is in your heart and you're presented with a choice of a righteous way and a wicked way. Is that God's word works in your heart so as to walk in a righteous way. He says, right, the very thing that's kept me from sin is the fact that God's word has been in my heart. And so I just say this, this act of storing up the Bible in your heart, right? Uh, another way, word for that might be memorization. So I want to address that in my second point here this morning. We talked about Bible intake and the blessing that comes with that. I just want to talk about Bible meditation. That is thinking upon God's word, pondering it over and over and over in our minds. A good picture of that is the cow who eats up the eats up the grass of the field and then goes and sits in the shade. And what does a cow do? He sits in the shade, do you know, Parker? What does a cow do? Sits in the shade? Okay, help me, Lundberg. She's got to do it over here, huh? Chew the they chew the cat. They just go. Mm. That's what they do over and over. And they sit there, and that's what it means to meditate. You just chew it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Psalm 119 is filled. You can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119 if you want. It's just it's just filled with passages that talk about meditation. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. God's precepts come. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to think about them. I'm just going to fix my eyes on what God does. Uh, verse 23 this is astonishing. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. 
So here the psalmist was in trouble and the princes were, were meditating, right, how they might plot against him. And he says, I'm not going to plot against how he can get them or be protected. I'm going to meditate upon God. Such was his commitment to the trustworthiness of God's word and meditating on it is helpful. Uh, Psalm 119 and verse 27 says, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. So just a plea. Let me know. God, what you are about, let me know your precepts, and I will meditate upon your word. I'll meditate on your works. Uh, verse 48 says, I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love. I will meditate on your statutes. And here we see worship almost bibliolatry, right? Worshiping the Bible, lifting up because God's word is God. In many ways, because it reflects God and what it is. And he's just, he just loving God's word, lifting up his hands to the commandments of God. I read in scripture reading and prayer this morning from verse 97. But look there. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. And, and I would say the things you love are the things you think about. So I just ask you, what is it you think about? It shows you what you love. And the psalmist here says, I love your law, therefore almost, it's my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. And here it is, catch this, it is ever with me. How can his commandments, God's commandments, be ever with the psalmist unless he has memorized it to meditate on? You cannot meditate on anything that you've not memorized. It's got to be something you go over and over. It's got to be in your mind in order to meditate on it. In fact, that's really what I want to push and encourage you. I want to encourage all of you towards working towards memorizing God's Word. I preached earlier in December about just the impact of just mastering the Bible, right? Mastering it all. That's just familiarity. Now I want to talk to you about intimacy. Just memorizing God's Word. It's really a key to aiming your mind. Okay, so here, when I talk about memorization, I know it may be in some of your thoughts, Right, right, right now, um, because I've spoken to lots of people and encouraged them to memorize lots of portions of Scripture. And the first thing that I hear from people's mouth, you know what it is? What's, your, what's in your mind right now? I talk about memorization. You say what? I'm not good at memory. I can't memorize it. I'm not good. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Um, and I tell you, if I had a nickel for every time someone has told me that, I would be a rich man. Because instantly we talk about memorization and, and instantly, right, this guard goes up. Oh, I'm not good. And, and almost the thought is this, right? Uh, if I, if I'm not good at it, I don't need to do it. It's, it's a little bit like the, the sluggard who doesn't want to work. And so what does a sluggard say? There's a lion in the street. I can't go out there and work. Proverbs 13, 22, 22 verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside and I should be killed in the streets. I can't memorize, therefore I don't have to memorize. Because there's a, there's a correlation between being a sluggard and memorizing. Because memorization, quite frankly, is hard work. People have said to me before, Steve, I know that you can memorize the Bible, but I, I'm not very good at memorizing the Bible. And, and I just say this is I work really hard to memorize the Bible. Because I delight in God's word. I've seen the blessings of God's word. And to me, it is not a burden because I've seen that on the backside. And so I'm willing to put up with the work. You know, the, the Proverbs say, I don't, I don't have it here. 
uh, speaks about how uh, the, the, the emptiness of a, of a laborer presses him on to work, right? So he'll work so he'll be unsatisfied, and so his work will, and then he gets the finances from that. He's able to fill and be satisfied and enjoy himself. So likewise, for me, I know that in my memorization, I've seen the end, I've seen the fruit of it, and it presses me to work hard. And it takes a lot of work. Um, I, I remember one, one time when I, I quoted uh, Acts chapter 7. I know, Gary, you commented about that. Stephen's sermon has 53 verses, and I, I memorized the whole thing, and I, I did it. It took me like six months to, to memorize that. It's not like I just picked it up and just said, okay, let's do it. It's taking like, like six months of constant repetition, constant work in order to do it for that one sermon. And, and just what it allowed me to do, though, is put Stephen's sermon into my mind so I might meditate upon it, might think about it, might think hard about it. And I just encourage you, church family, to see the blessings that come about from memorization and meditation and see that the psalmist speaks there about being wiser than enemies, having more understanding than teachers, keeping you from sin and blessing you in great ways. Oh, sure, it takes work, but I've seen the great blessing. I just, so I, I just wrote a list here, like, like what are some blessings I've seen in my life from memorization? Memorization um, protects me from sin. That's Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? God's words in my heart has this protecting way to help me, keep me, protect me from sin. Because I can't desire both at the same time. And if this is in my heart and wedded in my heart, it just helps in my battle with sin. Um, memorization helps to draw my heart to the Lord. As I could just think about the, the passage of scripture that I've, I've memorized and gone after. It just helps, helps draw me to the Lord as it speaks about the Lord. Memorization allows me to meditate. You can't meditate without memorizing. And that just allows me to do that. It helps me sleep at night. I can't tell you how many times I put my head on my pillow and I'm working through long passages of scripture that I'm trying to memorize. And I drift off to sleep somewhere between verse 4 and 5. It gives me peace. Isaiah 26, verse 3, is the promise of God. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Just focused upon you, trusting upon you. You keep him in perfect peace. So I've I've just known and seen the scriptures which help secure me in peace. Gives me joy in the Lord, memorization does. I constantly can rehearse the gospel in my mind. I constantly can rehearse the, the truths of God in my mind with just the passages of Scripture I've worked hard to memorize or I'm working on at the moment. It helps me with confidence in evangelism. Or I'm speaking with someone and they come up with some counterpoint. Well, I've got some verses I've memorized that I can say, oh, well, let me pull out my phone or let me try to figure that out. No, it's, it's there. It's, it's ready. Um, memorization helps me to pray. I mean, how else do we pray than just praying God's word back? To the Lord. You know, in our prayer time this morning, Gary just said, hey, here's, a, here's the new year. Let's just pray promises of God. God is going to be good to us this year. And so we just went around the circle. And we just prayed. And it comes from, our, we prayed our verses that we'd memorized. It helps you to pray. You, you will pray better if you memorize scripture. It will guide you in your path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And as we know God's word, it will help us in that. Furthermore, it even enables us to resist the spiritual warfare that's all around us. In Ephesians 6, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having girded, having taken on the belt, how does it say, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, make supplication for all the saints. I don't know how you fight spiritual warfare without having the Bible in your mind to be able to fight that. How can you take up the shield of faith? How can you take up the sword of the Spirit and fight against the Satan The devil, demonic forces. How can you take up the sword of the Spirit if you don't have the sword in your pocket, God's Word in your mind? I just don't know. But some people who say, well, I can't memorize, somehow they've figured out how to take this this sword that they don't have to fight against the spiritual forces of evil. And I just, they don't fight very well. Because you need to have the sword. In fact, uh, one of the things we have pushed here at Rock Valley Bible Church over the years is, is fighter verses. Um, you can look them up at fighterverses.com. I encourage you to do so. Um, they are really following after the, the word here. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Before that, in verse 11, Paul told Timothy, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. And see, the idea here is the the verses, right? They get in your mind. You can actually fight with them. You can fight for your sanctification. And um, I, it's, you can look them up at fighterverse.com. Uh, they've got a great app, which is really wonderful. And uh, basically, they have um, they have five sets of verses, uh, one for every five years, and then they repeat them. 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, uh, 2025, and every five years, they kind of loop through them. And we have, you know, talked about them, promoted them at church. But I said a year ago, I said, you know what, I'm just going to memorize the, uh, the fighter verses from 2021. And, uh, so I did that. I used the app. I just followed, I just followed the app. You hit recite the verse, and then you start talking. You say the verse, and then you then look at the verse and see if you got it. If you got it, then you kind of pass on. And I've set it up so it just reminds me every day for 36 days to read a verse. And then after I've done it for 36 days, it gets placed on another list and will remind you for 36 weeks, once a week for 36 weeks, you know, just to say it once. And then once that is passed, then it's going to remind me for 36 months just to keep it up. And I know if you go through that cycle every day for 36 days, every week for 36 weeks, and every month for 36 months, I think you'll have these verses like uh, forever 
And uh, so what I want to do this morning is to finish my message by a little bit of audience participation. If you're at home, <laughs> sorry, tough luck. I have um, uh, printed out these fighter verses. I have them on the back. I'm not sure if you guys caught one of these coming in. Maybe you want to go back there and uh, and pick one up. But these are simply a list um, of the fighter verses that were this past year. Um, and this is time to... Uh, Quiz Pastor Steve is really what it is. But I just want to show you, as I have worked, it probably an average, it's taken me um, maybe 10 minutes a day. Um, you know, initially, like when there's only one verse to memorize, you get it done in like 20 seconds. And next day, it takes 20 seconds. And the next day, next week, then there are two verses. So that's going to take you maybe 30 seconds to just kind of go over them. But then it kind of builds up. And so nowadays I spend uh, probably uh, five minutes a day um, working on the current verse, just memorizing it and trying to get it, trying to get it down. And then five minutes a day reviewing everything, so about 10 minutes a day. Once a week it takes me about half an hour just to read through all the verses. And these are the verses that I've been reading through by the end of the year. And so I'm not going to look at these. What I want you to do is I want some, one of you just to say, you know what, Steve, tell me about that verse. I want to quote the verse and then just share with you some of the ways that God has used that verse in my life I really thought about this year in terms of memorization and meditation. So anyone, just call out. You can call out a number and give me a verse and I'll... I don't know how this sermon ends. Like, I'm not sure. You, there are some of those books that have like choose-your-own-ending books. Do you have some of those? Have you ever seen those? I remember as a kid, like reading through them and it says, if you're going to go to the castle, go to page 37. Right, but if you're going to go to the next city over, go to page 34, and and then you you turn to that page and you see what you're going to do, and it kind of takes you on this. Well, that's kind of like what my sermon is. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know what I'm going to speak about. But I'm going to speak about some of these 52 verses that I've memorized this year in an effort just to say, 10 minutes a day, an hour a week. I've put in about 50 hours on this. All right, and. It just helps. I put that in because I delight in God's word because it stirs me and helps me. And I hope that you have a, a similar feeling and passion. So give me a verse. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Is that right? Did I miss it? Did I miss something there? In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And I think they're the, the thing that disturbed me is just that last, that last little bit about what can flesh do to me. Like when you're thinking about being afraid before God, and here's David, as I remember, he's in the cave, and he, he's scared, he's fearful, but he says, when I'm afraid, I'm putting my trust in you, I'm putting trust in you, but what can flesh do to me? What is it that people can do to us? Like kill us, Maybe. But another fighter verse on there is, is from Matthew 10, verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And I've kind of like put these two verses together about, about fearing man. We don't need to fear man. All he can do is kill us. Rather we should fear the Lord who can destroy us. Not only in this life but also in hell. It's kind of stirred an opportunity, just a, a perspective of fear. So, good. How about another one? Rachel, you got one? Which one? Philippians 2, 5 to 7. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And um, one of the things that really is thought about in, in that verse is just those two words, grasped and emptied. And uh, just somehow it means that Jesus was there in the Trinity enjoying fellowship, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and he did not count that position in all glory something to be grasped. But rather he emptied himself. Kenosis, whatever that means. He just divested himself. I mean, that's the mystery of the incarnation. It's difficult. But I really thought about that with respect to like the first part of that verse that says, have this mind among yourselves. Like that ought to be all of our minds. Not this proud, egotistical Kind of, I'm going to have this. And I think particularly it's applicable for me as a pastor, right? Not cleaving to some pastoral authority like, this is what I got. But being willing just to empty that like Jesus. And he was empty and he became nothing for us. A great example of humility. Good. How about another verse? That's something I've been thinking on this past year. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And, of course, that second verse is really applicable for us today, right? Don't be conformed to this world. Rather, we need to be transformed, right? We need to be changed by the renewal of our mind, right? By aiming our mind, if you will, right? Aiming of our mind to the Lord. But but the one that's really struck me, though, is um, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Right? It's the mercies of God that ought to push us and compel us. And even Paul, in that language, he's not commanding you by the mercies of God, He's appealing to us by the mercies of God. And that is all of Romans, the mercies of God, which speaks about our sin. Chapters 1 through 3. And this is where like familiarity really hurt, helps, right? When you're familiar with Romans, as I am. And then, then, then you think about Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It's all about the mercies of God. His uh, sin in chapters 1 through 3, and then the salvation that comes in chapters 3 through 5, that's solely by grace, totally and the sanctification that he works out in our security in Christ in Romans chapter 8. And then just the sovereignty of God, that, that God is the one who bestows grace upon whom he will bestow grace. And it's in light of the mercies of God that we ought to give ourselves entirely, completely to God. But, but it's that mercy's word that, that hits me every time. How about another passage? I'm going to hear something about. Choose your own ending to the sermon. Which one? Ephesians 6, 10, 11. I already spoke about that a little bit. I finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And I've kind of addressed that already just in terms of how we need to right, take up just the spiritual armor that we have. And realize, but, but it's interesting, it's verse 12 that's really struck me in that passage, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers or the spiritual darkness, right? That our fighting is not against us. There's a spiritual warfare that's going on. And, and, and I thought in terms of that verse, I've been thinking about uh, Roblox. You guys play Roblox? No, mom doesn't let you or something. I, I don't know. Maybe you don't know about it. There's this video game. Geishals, are you into Roblox at all? No, there's this video game where uh, like these kids are working around and around, and it's kind of like this social sort of game where you go, you know Roblox? Okay, Rachel, you know Roblox. 
we've got this uh, spiritual game where, all, where this social game where you're controlling your person and it's like virtual reality and you got all these other people and above them right there's like this little little cloud window right that points down am i talking right or not so, so it's a little bit like, oh, who is that person? You just look like everywhere they are, right? Mike, this is Mike. Oh, there's Jane, right? There's Jane. And they're walking around, and it's almost like there's a, we're watching this spiritual reality. Like, we're, we're playing that, but we're above it, right? You can see it. You're in it, but you're above it. And, like, kind of this transcendent what's really happening in the world, that there's a spiritual battle that's going on. Our battle isn't just here. We're not Roblox people. We're, like, they're, they're, we are Roblox people, but whatever. There's this reality that's a greater reality than just kind of being where we are that we need to wrestle and fight against with. And and also in that passage, Ephesians 6, uh, I forget what it is, verse 15, therefore take up the shield of faith. And just how important faith is in this whole process. Like that's your guarding. What is going to help you and guard you and protect you is faith. Like to anything that comes, just know I believe in God. Right, whether it's evolutionary doctrine that comes in some place, no, I just believe God in His Word. I just, I just believe in God. Well, it's temptation. No, I'm going to trust God. I mean, that would have been helpful. The shield of faith in the garden. I'm just trusting God. And how important, almost like priority, the, the sword of the spirit, which is the Word of God, is helpful for offensive weapon. But the, the shield of faith is so helpful just to protect us. And I just think about how much, even if we don't understand, even if someone comes with smarter arguments, even if there's some you know way in which we're being lured. It's the shield of faith that ultimately protects us. So those are some things from Ephesians 6 that have kind of stirred in my mind as I go over those passages again and again. Got some others? John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And that last phrase always gets me, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. That means apart from Christ, there's, there's nothing that we can do. And then the whole picture about if you want to build, want to bear fruit for Jesus, you need to abide in the vine. And that's the only way that you get fruit by abiding in Jesus, right? And that just means by, by loving Him and knowing Him and being intimate with Him and praying to him and, and understanding this connection, right? And whoever abides in me and I in him, wherever there's that connection, there's going to be fruit. But wherever that connection is, there's going to be no fruit. And I just think about how many things are done in the name of Christianity that aren't abiding by the vine, but they're just worldly methods. And they might have like lots of people or lots of events or lots of things or lots of conversions or lots of... But so much of that's just worldly. It's not genuinely coming from abiding in Christ to experience the power. And just how important for us, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not apart from me, you can do a lot of things. No, apart from me, you can do Zippo and how important it is to abide in Christ. How about a couple more? Elf, you got one? James. One through five. Two through five. I don't know how James one, one starts. Some up James to the diaspora, but James two, one, two through five. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Um, first, I mean, the thing that blows me away always is how you consider it joy in your trials. I can always consider it joy after my trials, after I have seen how uh, well it's gone. 
Um, and chapter 1, verse 12 is also one of the fighter verses. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So afterwards, right, there's a but in the midst of it, it's always so hard. Count on joy when you meet trials. But but that's not the thing that really has helped me. I mean, this, this past year as I've gone through that, uh, what's really helped me is verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and be given him. And I'm just thinking about the, the number of times in which I just lack wisdom, don't know what to pray. And I just say, God, I lack wisdom. Uh, but I thank you. The promise is if we come and we confess that and admit that, that you'll give us wisdom. And, and just even pastorally, right, there are there's difficult things that have, that have come up and they're there. And I don't know how to answer the questions. I don't know what to do. But I just say, God, I, I lack wisdom, and I just know that you'll give it generously to all without reproach. And so I just I, there's a real there's a real trust there, and I think particularly even I remember with Andy Krause praying with him before the surgery. I went over there with Adriana and Andy, and um, I, I just remember right, praying for him, praying for them, and I, I remember this verse coming out of my mouth because it was there. And just, what do you pray before someone is going to have a 15 hour surgery? I said, God, I, I lack wisdom. I don't know what to pray, but I, I just I plead you. And and so that verse was real applicable. It was on my mind, and that's kind of what I prayed. And it's really trusting that God, I'm just, I'm just coming to God to say, I don't know what to pray. I don't have any wisdom here to pray. I don't even know what to ask of you, God. I'm just, uh, pray what I'm supposed to pray. Right? Have the Spirit help me. So kind of that verse expressed my um my thoughts at that moment. How about another one? Lydia, how about give me a number between 1 and 52? Just one number. Give me a number. 1 and 52. Thirty-eight. 38. What's 38? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I just, just, just the way that Paul there just grasps his weakness. And, I mean, this is obviously familiarity. This is the context of the thorn in the flesh. He says, please get that thorn away from me. Please, please, three times. And then God says, nope, nope, nope. My grace is sufficient for you. And it, how he just turned. And he says, okay. My power perfected through Christ, then give me Christ. And just the, the whole, whole verse. I think it's uh, maybe verse 10 then. For the sake of Christ then, I'm content with these things, right? For the sake of Jesus, I'm content in these weaknesses and hardships persecutions and calamities. So that's how we embrace that. It's always amazing to me. Another one? How about Tia? Give me a number between 1 and 52. Any number. 1 and 52. Just any number. It's a sovereign number. Three. What's three? I don't know what three is. John 1, 12, and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Um, 
And the thing I've been thinking about there is just the, the contrast between, or the contrast, whatever, the, the parallel. But to all did receive him, receiving him is believing in him, right? You, you've got receiving and believing. But all to all did receive him who believed in his name. And just what, it, what does it mean to receive Christ? It means to believe him and to, to trust in, in his name. And just to think about just how many don't. But how many do, and here it is, he became the right to become a child of God. And I do think of 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, Behold what manner of love that God has given to us that we should be called children of God. Like what an amazing thing that we should be called children of God. And so he, all you got to do is simply believe in him, simply receive him, simply embrace him. And God says, oh, since you just opened your arms, right, you are adopted into my family. And you are brought right in there. And then, of course, verse 13 speaks about his total divine work. You're born not of flesh, um, nor the will of man, but of God. Just God is the one who does that work. Oh, one more, one more, and then we'll, we'll close up. I do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And, um, of course, it speaks about like, not loving the world, First John 2, 15 to 17. But what's really helped me is just those last phrase. Um, the world is passing away. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And that contrast there between, right, everything we have here is going away. But God's will, right, lasts forever. He, he lasts forever. And it's a little bit like Jesus when he says, don't store up for your treasures here. Because moth and rust are going to destroy it, so restore it in heaven. And so likewise, John is saying, don't spend all your life for your passions here on earth. That's going to pass away. Rather spend your passion, your delight upon the things of the Lord. And really that's... That's an appropriate thing there, right? To aim your mind. It's a great, a great sort of conclusion, right? To aim your mind, right? To, to think upon the things of God because that's what's going to be eternal. The things of this world are just passing away. So my, my heart this morning has not been to try to impress you with all the memorization that I've done or, but, but more just to say, you know what? I, I see Pastor Steve and I see he's got these verses memorized and what it does to his soul. And how he delights in it, how he thinks upon it, and that that might stir you all just to say, you know what, I'm going to go at the fighter verses. Buy the app. It's $2.99. If you can't afford it, I will pay the app for you. And um, you just go through just the verse and just start, just follow along. Um, you know, the first verse this year starts off Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And uh, then the next verse, I haven't got it memorized. It's like Romans Romans 10, and I I've not even got it memorized. But just to give you, to memorize it, just say it out loud. Say it out loud over and 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 over again. And work really hard at it, and eventually it gets into mind. So all these verses I quoted here, it's not like I just said, hmm, let me do this. I didn't whip this up last evening. This has been a whole year deal. Just to have those verses. But I, I just hope I put before you kind of a model of how you can have verses that just, just like that, that can stir your heart and your soul, direct you to God, to be intimate with him as you're more familiar with his word. Right? So let's aim our minds, right? All right, well, let me, let me pray. Father, I pray that you would help us all to aim our minds, direct them upon you, help us to memorize your word. May 2022 be a year in which some people take up the gauntlet and say, I just, I'm just going to memorize uh, some of your word. 
It's not hard. Just take some time and commitment every day. It is hard to take up that time and commitment every day, but it helps us to aim our minds. So I pray, God, that you would help us in those ways. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.